Medical research usually consists of huge international projects run by hundreds of scientists and spread across the globe. That leads to big breakthroughs, but it has some unintended consequences. Smaller groups in the population, for example, Māori and Pacifica communities, tend to be underrepresented in this research. And it turns out that um, consequence is particularly pronounced when we look at brain tumours. Research suggests that Māori are disproportionately affected, but we don't know why. One man trying to change that is University of Auckland research fellow Dr Thomas Park. He's using AI to scan a huge library of tumours collected from Māori and Pacifica patients to see if there are any significant differences between them and the samples from Pākehā patients. Uh, He joins us now... Thomas, kia ora. Uh, kia ora. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for your time today. Tell us first about the discrepancy in brain cancer rates between the various uh, populations. Um, uh, as as uh, you've mentioned, but it, uh, what happens between the discrepancy between Māori, Pacific Island and, um, say, New Zealand European um, sort of shows in some tumours, but not all brain tumours. Um, there's over 100 different types of brain tumours, um, so you can guess that there's going to be a wide range. Um, the one that um, you might be referring to are the um, childhood medulloblastomas, which sort of have Māori and Pacific uh, Island people having roughly about two times the higher incidence than um, New Zealand European. Um, there are some other sort of adult tumours or more general tumours called meningioma, which um, my colleagues here at the at University of Auckland and Auckland Hospital have also shown that um, incidence and the growth rates of those tumours might be uh, higher in Māori but, um, and Pacific Island people. But as, a, as you mentioned, um, we still it's early days. Um, we've, got, we've got numbers to show that that is likely the case, but what is behind that um, is still under investigation. How are you going to investigate it? Um, I mean, many ways. I mean, as you as you know, you don't uh, you can't just look at a a research project from one angle. Um, the way we are doing it, um, and in my group, is we're looking at using um, artificial intelligence and AI. Um, obviously, that's a huge area at the moment, and it just allows allows um, us to look at the smaller things and actually capture the small differences uh, where a human eye or, um, you know, human observation might have missed it. Um, a, an easy example uh, could be if you look at a forest, humans can basically see if it's a rainforest or an alpine forest or a tropical forest, for example. But it's very hard for us to memorize, remember every tree in that forest, for example. But AI allows us to actually look at all these minor differences in these tumors um, that we get from patients that had their tumours resected. And we can look at those small differences to see if there are um, differences and whether those differences have a biological meaning um, to the reason why some might have a high incidence or not. Yeah, because it's two different things, right? The cause of the tumour and how the tumour presents, but might there be a link between them? Might there be something, obviously you believe there might be something that you can see in a tumour which may indicate... um, what caused it or, or why it may have a higher incidence in, in one ethnic population than another? Yes, um, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of data out there showing what genes or what pathways that might be aberrant that could be causing more aggressive tumours. 
but <clears throat> then that's one thing, and that's from you know a global database. But then, um, you know, associating that or uh, studying those on specific populations, um, especially as you mentioned in the intro, that uh, Maori and Pacific Island populations don't really get represented that well in large international studies because those are normally run out of Asia or America or Europe in most cases. Meaning, you know, there's there's certain populations, minority populations, uh, when you think about it from a global perspective, that do not get represented um, and hence analysed in that data set, if you know what I mean. So, you know, it's it's really up to um, the countries like New Zealand, uh, which do have um, our unique populations and uh, makeup, to then do our studies and then associate or link it with these larger studies to see if uh, we actually do find um, unique properties or if if we don't find unique properties, that's fine as well, right? Um, it basically shows that um, we can actually use a lot of, we can actually bring a lot of that data from overseas into the New Zealand population as well because we're not really seeing um, from a biological perspective mm. uh, any differences. Um, but if we do, then those could now be a target. Now, that doesn't mean that's 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 the reason and we've found it. That's sort of the start, right? It's the start of a journey. You know, you know that there's something that could be different. Is that difference, uh, is that different or difference um, or differences leading to a change in disease outcomes? Do you have a sense whether this is likely to be a nature or a nurture difference? Um, <laughs> yeah. So let me flesh that question out a bit. Is it yep. likely that there is something about being Maori? For instance, something genetic, something in your genetic makeup that makes you more prone to um, particular sorts of brain tumours, or do you think it's more likely that, for example, we know that um, that Maori uh, overindicate in some areas like lower socioeconomic circumstances, or, for example, if there was something like more smoking, that that may be the cause. Yes, I mean. Look, with some of the childhood tumours, not all, um, and as I said, it's really hard to specifically talk about a certain example because there's so many different tumours out there. Uh, and even within the same tumour type, there's actually subtypes. Mm -hmm. So it gets, it gets pretty complicated if you want to put everything in one basket. Um, but if you... Generally, the childhood tumours or the earlier tumours um, tend to have more of a um, sort of genetic predisposition. Um, I'm not saying all, um, but... Um, but and even even in adult tumors, uh, there there are and but it, uh, like it's really hard to put them in one basket. So I don't want to I don't want to oversimplify things because it is it is um, it is complicated and it is categorized into different subtypes for a reason. Um, but I, uh, if you have to if you have to say what what's the cause, I mean you can't put one without the other. Um, you of course having certain lifestyles. Um, are you know can be carcinogenic, right? Um, and then can lead to an increase in um, your likelihood or chance of having um, you know cancers down the line, right? Um, but at the same time, there are there, there are certain cancers that have genetic decisions that will make it easier when these other insults get added on top to manifest in the tumor. So it's how close are you genetically to a to a breaking point, if you know what I mean, right? So if you're, some people might start a bit closer, some people might start further out, and then 
other things that you do during your life or exposures that yeah. you've had will then keep pushing you towards that. So it is very, it's very difficult to put things into a single basket, as I mm-hmm. mentioned. Um, we are well explained. We always want to be careful around that. Well but, explained, yeah. yeah. Yep. Is this going to be a big piece of work or is it something you can do in a couple of weeks? Oh, no. <laughs> it's, already, it's already been... Um, a project in the making for two years. It's a it's a huge collaborative project. So I work with engineers that do a lot of the machine learning aspect. And I also work closely with the neuropathologists, neurosurgeons, oncologists that actually manage um, the patients and do the diagnosis. And then uh, we have neuroscientists and cancer biologists, um, uh, including myself, which is a neuroscientist, um, looking at the samples, looking at the biological um, outcomes, as well as um, certain biomarkers, and we're labeling. We're basically associating all those onto onto sections or onto brain tumors uh, that we are that we are receiving from um, the patients and the pathologist. Brain cancer survival rates haven't really improved in decades. I'm told. Mm. What will the next mm. big breakthrough be? When will we start seeing improvements? Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a million dollar question, really. Um, and there's a lot of us actually scratching our heads um, on it. Like, there's, I think, I think there's been huge improvements in peripheral tumors uh, with things like immunotherapies and certain drugs. Uh, the there's been, yeah, the brain tumor field has really been lagging behind, not because there's been a lack of research or or expertise, but the extra complexity that you have with the brain. Um, there's a few safeguards that our brain has to prevent things from getting into our brain. Normally, it's a good thing because you don't want um, everything in your body to get into the brain, <laughs> obviously, um, but mm. um, that is also impeding um, certain drugs or certain therapies from making it into the brain at enough um, doses, shall we say, or right to have an effect. So that's always that's been a major problem. It's, it's called a blood-brain barrier. Um, it's not really a barrier, but it's sort of a control point. And, um, you know, because of that extra layer of um, complexity, it's been not easy. It hasn't been that easy to translate things that have worked in our body straight to the brain. Um, and brain also has its very own unique um, structures. Uh, when, you're, when surgeons are doing um, surgery on brain tumors, say, for example, if it's on the skin, they might be able to take out a little bit extra um, knowing that the skin might grow back, right, in those areas. But with the brain, if you end up cutting a certain part of your brain out, that brain is lost forever. Um, it could be speech, it could be um, it could be memories. So if all those things complicate um, treating brain tumors, um, more so than maybe some other organs. I'm not saying other organs are not important, uh, they're all critical, but it's just the nature of the brain and how brain influences our life. Um, and our quality of life that uh, makes it a little bit always more careful when you're designing things for the brain. So maybe that's the reason, but um, there's a lot of development going on. Um, I've been to several international conferences. I'm going again next week. And um, yeah, every every year you, you get to see how the field is moving and how more collaborations are occurring to really bridge that gap. So uh, we're, we're hopeful um, and we're playing our part here in Auckland. Good stuff. Nice to talk to you, Thomas. Really appreciate your clear explanation today. Good luck with the research. Thank you so much.
for having me. Dr. Thomas Park, who's be going to be using AI to uh, take a look at some tumours from brain tumours from Māori and Pacifica patients, see if he can work out why uh, they are getting tumours more often than New Zealand European populations.